0: Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Astrey, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for the 15th Sunday of the year, July the 10th. Our reading this morning comes to us by way of the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Luke 10, 25 through 37. C.S. Lewis, the great uh, Christian writer of the 20th century, often indicated that for every new book he read, he picked up one of a book that he had read previously, sort of like encountering an old friend again, someone that has perhaps collected the uh, yellow of age, uh, perhaps uh, kind of dry on the shelf with kind of dust, maybe even cobwebs. Uh, And it's revisiting that old friend with new eyes, with a new understanding, a new set of experiences, that the book becomes new again. And so we find ourselves in somewhat the same way on this Sunday as we look at the Gospel of St. Luke. And one of Jesus' parables That is so familiar. In many ways, perhaps it's too familiar. Uh, The threads are kind of bare. Uh, It no longer grips or holds our attention. We can probably recite it from memory without even looking at the biblical text. It is the story of the so called Good Samaritan. And we tend to say, yes, I've heard that before, help everybody and then kind of move on. But is there something also at work there, something perhaps deeper at work there uh, that we can easily overlook as we look at the familiar with just the same old eyes, same old understanding, rather than looking deeper into the meaning of this timeless parable It is both timely and timeless. We know that the background is uh, this lawyer comes and asks Jesus, what must he do to inherit everlasting life? Jesus realizes that if you're dealing with a lawyer, the best thing to do is just let him quote the law. So Jesus says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the lawyer replies uh, with good old black letter law, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do this and you shall live. In other words, he's got an A plus on the exam. He's ready to get into the bar, maybe even sit as a judge. He got a letter perfect. And Jesus says, in a kind of almost dismissive way, because he realizes the lawyer is really not about the answer, he's about playing the game, the game to trap Jesus. And he said, you know, you, you've answered correctly, go and you shall live. Just go. And, but the lawyer, the lawyer wishes to justify himself. That's what Luke says, he wished to justify himself. In other words, he wasn't about to be dismissed with such a curt response. He wanted his three minutes of fame. He wanted to be the crafty lawyer. He wanted his Perry Mason moment when he could get Jesus trapped. Just think what that would do to his clientele. My goodness. He could retire and be on the Sea of Galilee in his own little boat just forever. So Jesus doesn't get into a debate with him. He doesn't argue the law with him. He does something surprising and disarming. He tells him a story, a parable. But it's not the one you probably expect. He says, uh, there's this guy and he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell in with robbers. Now, anybody who at that time made the trip from Jerusalem to Jericho knew that that was a bad place to go, very dangerous, the place of robbers, and that in all likelihood you're going to get mugged, if not worse, if you go there, especially if you're by yourself. I don't care if it's daylight, night, night, you'd be insane. Even in the daytime, that was no guarantee of safe passage. So he goes along and uh, he falls in with the robbers, as one might expect. They strip him, beat him, and they go off leaving him half dead on the side of the road. A priest comes by. And he sees him, but continues on. Hmm. Now we know that this is not an ordinary story, because one might expect the the priest to stop and help him, one would hope. But then a Levite comes from the the great uh, class of the holy, those who are, set aside to offer worship to Almighty God, to lead the worship, to go into the Holy of Holies. And he comes by the same way, and he does the same thing. He goes right on by the guy. Wow. And then Jesus says a Samaritan who was journeying along came upon him. And we might think to ourselves, "Uh uh-oh, he's coming back to see if he didn't get all of the valuables this guy might have had. Maybe he missed something. or Some of his uh, fellow robbers went the other way. So now his chance to go back and really search the body. After all, he was half dead. Maybe he's dead by now. Well, the Samaritan, Jesus tells us, was moved to pity at the sight of the man wait a minute, you're telling a Jewish audience that a Samaritan was moved with pity, which is one of the chief attributes of God in the Old Testament, God's pity for his people. Yes, this Samaritan, this least likely, most detested, most rejected, don't invite. Don't have anything to do with. Don't associate with. He's the one who shows a godlike sentiment, a godlike movement of the heart. What gives? It's too strange. Where, where, where is this story going? That that, that we we're, we're listening to. And not only is he moved with pity, he's not simply a sentimentalist. He's not simply, as we say today, a virtual virtue person. Doesn't simply do it at a distance. What does he do? Uh, The Samaritan, uh, he dresses his wounds, pours in oil and wine, as a means to heal. He then hoisted him on his own beast, brought him to an inn where he cared for him. And the next day he took out two silver pieces, gave it to the innkeeper and said, look after him. And if there is any further expense, I will pay you on my way back. In other words, he doesn't just have a gushy feeling an emotion. Oh my, I'm so sorry over that. Let me keep moving. His sentiment, genuine pity, is completed and perfected in action. He becomes involved. He becomes part of the healing, part of the restoration. And not only that, he's also one who follows through. On my way back, I'll pay you. But he also understands that others have a part to play. Many of the church fathers saw the inn in this parable as the church. The role of the church is to bind up the wound of the rejected, those on the side of the road, those who have been mugged by life. That's the role of the church. To pour the oil and the wine and the medicinals, the medicines into the womb so that suffering, hurting humanity can be healed and draw closer to Christ, the divine physician who heals us in the depth of our being. That's the mission of the church. The inn represents the church. And this Samaritan, this Samaritan, is also a person who also understands he can't stay with the with this guy who has been mugged forever he has other responsibilities other commitments but he knows to hand off the guy in the short term to the innkeeper and on my way back i'll repay you he's not abandoning him he's allowing others to also minister while keeping his already made obligations and commitments. In other words, he's not just chasing the moment. He is a well-balanced, committed person. This this guy that has been mugged is not going to become his life project. There are people who help others because they need to feel needed They need to be appreciated. They need to hear, oh you're so heroic, oh you're so virtuous, oh you're so wonderful. That's not what this guy does. The Samaritan. He is he is well centered in his life. And he also knows what it means to be a follower of Christ. And at the end of this parable, Jesus says to the the lawyer, which of these three, in your opinion, was neighbor to the man who fell in with the robbers? Jesus, uh, the lawyer says, the one who treated him with compassion. Jesus said to him, then go and do the same. This is the very same thing that Jesus said to him when this first started. After the whole law thing, Jesus says, you have answered correctly. Do this and you shall live. And at the end of this parable, he says, then go and do the same. Go and do the same. This is not a game about catching me, trapping me. It's a game about your salvation. And Jesus says to each and every one of us this morning, go and do the same. Reach out to those who are mugged by life, those whom you pass every day, maybe not on the street and in the gutter. They may be in your house. They may be in your office, your school, your neighborhood. They've been mugged by life. They've been robbed of dignity. They may have lost everything. They may be riddled with sin. They need the oil, they need the wine, they need the medicine of mercy and compassion and pity. And each of us, as followers of Christ, we are called to be the Good Samaritan. We are called to be those, those who, every day that we pass, stop and show compassion to those wounded by life. God bless you.